for over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Oh, hello. Oh, Welcome hello. to Ruined. This is Hallie. And this is Allison. And this is a podcast where we ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for you guys. Hallie, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm so tired. I, um, I, I, I just, how do people sleep? I feel like I've forgotten it. It's, it's left me. Um, and I'm usually, I'm a good sleeper. Good eater, good eater, good sleeper. Yeah. Poops very regularly. Yeah. I'm a great baby. And <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's the heat and or the state of the world, but I'm just, it's just tough. I can't sleep at like 6 a.m. I can't do it. Yeah. That's it. I'm just up. I've been doing a lot. I don't think I, I can't think of like the last time I slept through the night where it wasn't like, oh, I drank myself to sleep. Like, right, yeah. I took a melatonin. Yeah, right. Like when there's like, what's happening. yeah. But like otherwise, like I'm up at three, I'm up at five, I'm up at six. Oh, man, I'm sorry. It the sucks. drinking might be part of it. I'm going to be honest. I feel like when you, it, when you drink, it's like heavy sleep, but then bad sleep. It's not real sleep. Yeah. But like if I, like if I, like have some wine and go to bed. I feel like it's a little better than like the nights where I'm like, all right, do the, do this for real. Do it, do it regular. Just don't drink and go to sleep. And I just can't. <laughs> I just, I also like have what I think is undiagnosed insomnia. So go get it diagnosed. What are you doing? What are they going to do? Conduct? I'm sure they got plenty of stuff they could tell you. Little trips, ticks, tricks and tips. Tips and tricks. I'm not a doctor. Of the El- sleep El- trade. We can't assume we know what a doctor knows. The, no. that's, the ultimate hubris to say, what are they going to do? We don't know what I they're going to say. Or I feel tell like you. I have to do so much other doctor with my back that I just don't want more doctors. I got the one and so I you're have saying to talk you to can deal with back stuff and then other than that, you're just going to yeah. let it all fall I'm giving apart. Up. Giving okay. Up. I, I, can't, I can't argue with that. Body's falling apart. <laughs> um, uh, uh, speaking of bodies, yes. we have we're kicking off our um, summer camp month. Yes, and we're doing a movie that um, I myself, Allison, and our producer Sabrina were a hundred percent certain we had done before. Yes, I and was we like, had we've not. definitely done this movie, and, and we have haven't. Not. And the movie was, of course, Friday the Thirteenth, one of the uh, sort of a, a big uh, heavy hitter of a, a horror movie. Yeah, I feel like this is also going to be like one of those movies and one of those episodes where I'm like. Oh, I now get way mm. more references Absolutely. and jokes because now I actually know, like I know like loosely like yes if it's referenced I'm like I vaguely know like what it is or whatever but not I don't really know anything about the movie itself and it certainly is like a like a icon in pop culture yes. that some that people reference all the time. Yes, and there are so many moments in it that you're going to recognize from pop culture and from other films sort of both repeating it and uh, referencing it in a more meta way. Mm. Um, and uh, I just thought a little fun tidbit about it was, um, this is uh, produced and directed by uh, director Sean S. Cunningham and written by Victor Miller. And Cunningham has always been very um, upfront about the fact that, like, 
This was just a cold cash grab uh, based on the success of John oh. Carpenter's Halloween. So this, uh, so Friday I also the 13th mixed this came up out. With Halloween. Yeah. So Friday the 13th, which we also have not done, which I is know. insane. It's but, crazy. So John Carpenter's Halloween came out in 1978. Cunning, uh, Sean S. Cunningham uh, basically was like, oh, I want to make money. Like, yeah. this was this huge blow up, like, you know, obviously small budget film. I want the money. I want the horror money. And so yeah. uh, he was putting, according to Wikipedia, put an advertisement to sell the film uh, in early uh, 1979 before the film was actually written. So it ended up being, you know, a, a huge box office success when it came out. And sort of, uh, you know, this, again, that's why these are such, like, signposts in the in cinematic horror is, like, they were not only something you could do on a budget with, like, right. unknown people, they are absolutely wildly successful. Like, people yeah. will always see these kinds of movies. I would, you know. And uh, this was what an early film for a young Mr. Kevin Bacon. Yes. So there, you know, it did it did birth an absolutely phenomenal career that we're all connected to through six degrees or less, as yes. far as we understand. Um, so we always like to ha- have Allison uh, watch the trailer. And what are your thoughts about the Friday the, tr- the 13th trailer? I mean, like, definitely what I was thinking. Like, mm-hmm. it's summer camp. There's cabins. There's bunks. There's you know, archery. It's like all the stuff that I was like, oh, that's what this is going to be. And that's what this is. And seeing Kevin Bacon was really a a delight. Um, and uh, we want to give a shout out to, thank yes. you, Sabrina. Um, Harold emailed in and suggested summer camp month. So shout out to Harold. And this seemed like the perfect way. Like this is the er summer camp horror. Yes. And it's giving you, and it is sugar something about, and well, maybe I'll take go that and we always like take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of being a camp counselor? Because watching this film, I, I did have a lot of like, well, there's no locks on the doors. You're out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. I um, was a camp counselor. <laughs> okay, great. But All not right. regular camp. It was like, we, like it. so it was, I was a camp counselor at the, like, the Naval Academy's rowing camp for girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, while the safety elements of, like, we're in the middle of the woods, like, there's no locks, I'm not a doctor, what if something happened? Like, all that stuff was gone, (laughs) but the absolute terror of being on um, a military academy campus and um, having to, like, corral a bunch of, like, 14- and 15-year-old girls walking around this place that has, like, so many rules was... uh, Truly horrific. I would say, honestly, scarier than Friday the 13th. Yes. Like, there, in the film, I mean, it's, you're only dealing with a, a very small number of people, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but um, also, I apologize to anyone who's watching the video of this. I just took a shower, so my hair is soaking wet. So I'm sure it really, really adds to the experience. Soaking wet. You look great. Thank you. Um, and then beyond that, how do you feel about just sort of the general idea of um, a killer who's out to indiscriminately kill? You just happen to be at a camp. It's not right. about you. You are the new hot uh, young thing who is there to be a camp counselor. Well, I guess it's, the question is like how scared do you find the concept of um, you being punished for someone else's crime in the past? Yeah, that's like what's so scary about like a, like this kind of movie is like where it's just like he's angry and killing and it like kind of has nothing to do with you and it's a wrong place, wrong time kind of nightmare, which like, of course, is what it's like to live in America right now. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I was going to say, I guess every, also every serial killer, wrong place, went wrong time. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, like, it's not about like, 
It's yeah. not, you know, an argument with somebody you know that escalated into murder. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's going to kill someone and you happen to be the closest someone to him. Is this, this is a morbid question, but do you think it's worse to be indiscriminately killed or to be killed by someone who genuinely hates you and wants to kill you? Which, which is scarier to you? I think the likelihood of being indiscriminately killed is much higher than somebody having such a hatred for me that they would murder me. Like, I well, can, me- not that I don't think there's plenty of people who don't like me, but none, but none of whom I think are, like, the kind of people who would ever murder someone. Yeah, that's true. I guess I feel like, it, I, I, I wonder, like, what is the statistic, what is the statistic of, are you, what is the percentage of people who are killed by someone they know? I bet for women it's pretty high. I think for women it's like Ugh. 100%. Oh, Lord. It's not just oh, someone boy. you know, it's like your, you know, your partner or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, um, boy, sorry I took us down oof, that road. Tough, uh, tough both road. scary. That's yeah, the thing is, they're both terrible. horrifying yeah, they're in both, different ways. They're both horrific, but like, I think like the, the randomness of being killed by a stranger for like no reason that has to do with you is super frightening because like you're never fully safe from that. Yeah, I feel like that is the American experience at this point is that we're just, you know, going through the world, hoping to avoid that, being powerless against it. And um, I guess that's why we watch horror movies is to, it's like, well, what do I do with all this terror? I'll watch something where at least there's a sort of a narrative resolution to it. Yes, And um, wake up and and, and go through my day (laughs) and sort of try to make it through. Um, Now, I will say, Allison, and I don't know if you know this about the film, this film does have... A what a, a pretty classic twist. Like it has a twist. Oh, so would you like to guess the twist of Friday the Thirteenth based on what you know from the trailer and pop culture? Guess the twist. I feel like it has to do with a mother. Okay, I'm gonna guess that it's not, this is Jason, right? This is Jason. Yes, I, that maybe like. Jason's mother is doing many of the killings. Great. Love it. It's always mom stuff with these psychos. I know. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, where's the, where's the dad? You know what I mean? Where's that dad? Where's the dad stuff? Right. Maybe that would be a female. Yeah, maybe. Well, I, I guess, guess I was like, yeah. yeah, if it was a female serial killer. But um, I guess they're probably, probably, I would say the only one who comes to mind is Eileen Wardo. So I'm pretty sure there was some unfortunate dad stuff in her, her past. So. I've got to believe that there is. Yeah. All right, so let's begin by ruining Friday the 13th. We open on beautiful Camp Crystal Lake in 1958, where a, lot, a group of counselors are singing along to an acoustic guitar. They are, of course, all white. Of course. And they are singing uh, a song, uh, sort of, uh, the, do you, I mean, as a Christian, as, as a Jew, uh, I don't didn't really say it like that. As a Jewish person. Yes. I, I feel like, are you exposed to, in culture, a lot of Christian songs, like, in a more, like, secular way? Because I feel like hearing no. all those songs are singing, I'm like, these are all, like, church songs, but they're being played as if we're all, oh, if someone has an acoustic guitar, we're all going to sing no, it. No, I, like, okay. don't think I know. Like I, don't, like, I think I would hear something and be like, I've never heard this before. This isn't a real song. Or, like, I Right. It's not, No. And I was also like, well, I could sing it, but I don't want to get, do, get copyrighted. I'm like, copyrighted by whom? The yeah, church? God? Who, you think they're <laughs> listening to that? God? Um, well, like, who, like, what are these songs? They're just like... Here, I'm going to sing a little bit. The river of Jordan is deep and wide. Hallelujah. They're like, like I've clapping. heard that, but like in, like, not in my life. Like, I've heard it in, like, in yes. a scene 
around. in a movie or something like that. But I haven't, like, ever heard somebody singing that song or that song being played and in saying, front of me. And, and the idea of you sitting around a campfire with somebody strumming an acoustic guitar no. singing that, I wouldn't want you to have to deal with that. No, I would, I would become a serial killer. <laughs> Um, so two of the counselors, Barry and Claudette, they sneak away uh, to have sex, not knowing there's a figure walking through the woods, Ooh. sort of following them um, into a cabin. And this is our classic, sort of our cycle style. We're always, not always, but we're frequently in the killer's POV. So in the scene or throughout the movie? Throughout the movie. Okay. So yeah, so we're watching Barry and Claudette go into a cabin. We know that th- things are going to get spicy. And, and we are the figure in the shrubbery watching them through the leaves, you know, and then stalking them into mm. the house. And they go into, there's a lot of cabins, and I don't know all of their purposes. This seems to be some sort of storage cabin. Okay. So they go up into the attic. So there's a second floor. It's just a bunch of boxes and stuff for the ca- camp. And um, Barry puts on a blanket, and they, they go to get busy. Just have sex outside. I, I love how that's your immediate go-to. He's going to kill you outside. You know what I mean? I like, mean, it's not, a, not even just from a, it's like, I don't know. I would rather have sex like in like a lush wilderness instead of like the attic of a cabin that's got a bunch of moving boxes. Bugs. I know. Sticks. Bugs are, sticks. Little yeah. animals. Yeah, you Bugs, right. again. Wet. I mean, yeah. Mud. Wet, yeah. No, I, I agree. This, this is not the most romantic situation. Yes, but and it's either, close. And wherever you're doing it, please know you're going to be murdered in about yes. five minutes. Um, and they sort of, they get to it. And unfortunately, we see the killer is also about to get busy because we see the POV of the killers creeping up the stairs. And when they see the figure, they are not scared. They sort of jump up and they're like embarrassed. Right. And Barry's like, oh, uh, sorry, we weren't doing anything. We were, we were just messing around. Unfortunately, Allison, Barry is immediately stabbed in the stomach. Ooh. And Claudette shrieks and tries to like scramble behind some of the boxes, but it's too late. She screams as the killer descends on her. We freeze on her howling face. Title card, Friday the 13th. We return. um, It is 21 years later, of course. And much like in Christine. And uh, it says, Friday, June 13th, the present. The present is 1979. Okay. You know. Uh, But it is the late 70s. And we see Annie, uh, a future counselor, walking through the quaint little town of Crystal Lake. So this is the town that the camp is outside of. And she's headed to her new job, and she's, um, because it's 1979, she's hitchhiking there. Already terrifying to me. Yeah, I just, like, as a, like, it's crazy how that happened in the, like, 60s and 70s. And it was like, yeah, like, I guess we could just hit, like, I, there's, like, a Mad Men episode where somebody's like, oh, we'll just hitch. And it's like, what? And I guess, you know, I'm sure it would be mostly fine. It's just, like, when you're in the situation of, like, well, when it's not fine, it seems like it's it's just yeah. not, very not fine. It's like parachuting in that way, where it's, like, yes. the... Like, if it's fine, it's fine. If it's bad, it's, like, absolutely (laughs) a disaster. Like, you die. (laughs) So Annie sort of um, tried to find directions, and she stops into sort of the the locals, like, the convenience store, but there's also, like, a coffee shop. Everyone's, like, you know, from the town is, like, sitting at the bar reading the newspaper. And she says, does anyone know how far it is to Camp Crystal Lake? And they all turn around and stare at her and fall silent. And there's a truck driver named Enos said, well, it's about 20 miles. And another woman who looks fabulous and has, like, white readers pulls her glasses down and says, Camp Blood? They're opening that place again? Camp Blood. Camp Blood. Trudy, or the waitress, asks, like, hey, Enos, would you mind driving her, you know, to the crossroads? So he's like, yeah, I'll drive you, like, most of the way there, and you can walk the rest. And they go to his truck, and again, a classic character in horror movies steps out. His name is Crazy Henry. 
and he rushes up and he tells Annie, you're going to Camp Blood, ain't you? You're never coming back again. It's got a death curse. And Enos okay. is like, don't listen to crazy Ralph. He's a real prophet of doom, ain't he? <laughs> and they get into his truck and drive away, and Annie looks back, a little concerned. And Enos is like, yeah, crazy Ralph is really not going to help the camp reopening, you know? And he, because he's from Campus Crystal Lake, he says to her, like, I know that the camp is being reopened by a man named Steve Christie and Steve Christie's family. So his parents were the original owners of the mm. camp, which has been shut down since 1958. It's been shut down since the murders of those campers, or sorry, of those counselors okay. at the beginning. And are and we so, to believe that it's just, the, not like just two people, but like just two people were killed? Um, we are getting get into some other stuff that okay, happened, but it, yes, it, it was the mur- the murders of those two counselors that shut down the camp. Okay, and it's understandable if you're a, if you're sending your kid to a camp, it's like I could send a kid to a camp that's uh you know maybe it's a little pricey and another one where two people were brutally murdered and no one ever solves who did it. So yes. I understand yes. that would be enough I to just shut it down. Yeah, and um, Enos asks uh, Annie, has uh, has Steve Christie uh, told you anything about that camp? And Annie's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the, the camp cook. There's going to be about 50 kids, 10 counselors, um, mostly kids from, from the inner city. And Enos is like, no, no, no. Did he tell you about what happened? Annie, Ooh. of course, says no. And he says, quit. Quit now. Um, there's a boy who drowned in 1957. A year later, two people were brutally murdered. Never, never solved. And since then, a bunch of fires Bunch of said, fires. And they said they were going to reopen in, in 1962, but something happened, and the water was bad. And Annie's like, Haha, oh, well, I can't quit now. I mean, you sound like crazy Henry. And they end up arguing, and Enos is like, you kids today got a head full of rocks. And Annie says, well, at least I'm not afraid of ghosts. But he still drops her over the crossroads. So she has to walk still probably, I would going to say, 12 miles. Like, it's still an incredibly long way. But he took her a little while, and she thanks him. Meanwhile, we see three other counselors ca- uh, carpooling there. So we've got Ned, Marcy, and Jack. And Jack is played by Kevin Bacon. Okay. And Ned, Marcy and Jack sort of, you know, their boyfriend-girlfriend, and then Ned's their friend, and he's the most annoying fucking character in a horror movie in a long, that we've seen in a long time. I Every line of this guy, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till this guy gets killed. I am dying for Ned to get stabbed. Yeah. And, he's, and so he's talking to Marcy, and he's always hitting on Marcy, even though Marcy is, like, clearly Jack's girlfriend and his friend, and Ned's friend, him too. And he's like, Marcy, do you think there'll be any other beautiful women like yourself at Camp Crystal Lake? Right. And Marcy's like, oh, Ned, do you ever think about anything but sex? Like, well, luckily, in a minute, he's going to be thinking about getting stabbed to death. Okay. So they arrive at Camp Crystal Lake, and they find the owner, Steve Christie, chopping wood. Um, he's shirtless, indoors with a red kerchief. And I'm going to say, Steve Christie, to me, seems like a guy you'd like, Allison. Mm. Blonde, glasses. I don't love blonde men. That is insane. I have seen you date so many blonde men. That is the most <laughs> insane thing you've ever said on this podcast. I that have is not, not dated true. a lot of blonde men. I, I dated a blonde a guy catalog. in college. I will create a catalog. Yeah, no, there have been a handful. I, but I, in general, it's not my Okay, I was going to say, if tea. I show you a picture of somebody and you argue that that's, like, technically brown when it's a dirty blonde, I'm going to sure. be very upset. Okay, fair. Anywho, um, unfortunately, you it probably won't work out with you and Steve because he's both <laughs> fictional and, again, about to be brutally murdered in the <laughs> woods. Um, so they all jump out, and Steve uh, is there with his, sort of his second-in-command, Alice, and they're two weeks till opening. So Steve is at a state, and he's like, we still have to paint everything and fix up a lot of the camp. 
And, you know, so everybody sort of assigns to different tasks. So Brenda's already there. She's working just out of the archery area. Um, Bill's painting the lifeguarding uh, chair. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone has to, like, sort of rush around because it's going to be a tough two weeks before the campers arrive. Um, Does this movie all take place in one day? um, Yes. Okay. I was just wondering. I was like, well, we're on Friday the 13th, so I've got to imagine— Yes, and I do love a horror movie. Like, it's like, yeah, I, it's over time. Like, again, we just, we did Christine, and it was like, December 13th. Right. It's like, I don't need to know <laughs> I don't that. Need to but know we what get day it. It's it over is. six I months. I, this is one day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, which, again, so fun. Um, so, Steve and Alice go fix a gutter, and Steve is sort of distracted by Alice's sketch pad. And you get the idea that they had either they maybe even sleeping together, or they did date, and now they're not dating anymore. And he looks and she has drawn a portrait of him. And he's like, why did you do this? And she said, I, I did it last night. He said, wow, did I look like that? And she said, you did last night. And okay. it's sort of like Alice is like, you know, she doesn't seem like refurbishing a camp to get murdered in type. She's like an artist, you know. Yeah. And and Steve is clearly like interested in her, you know, but she tells him, honestly, I don't know how long I'm going to stay here. I mean, you need to go back to California to, to straighten something out. Okay. And Steve says, please... Just stay the week, and if you still aren't happy, I'll put you on the bus myself. And he sort of touches her face. And I'm like, okay, there's some sort of history something here. Something is happening. Yes. Something, maybe, is it going to work out? We don't know, but there's something there between them. Um, unfortunately, we see Alice go down to talk to Bill, who's painting, again, the, um, the lifeguard chair, to see if he needs more paint thinner. And we see from the killer's POV, they're just hiding behind a tree watching her okay. um, run. And at this point, everyone is at the camp except Annie. So Annie is still hitchhiking there, but everyone else is, is all the counselors have arrived okay. except for her. Um, we meet another counselor, Brenda, and she's setting up the archery range. And uh, Steve sort of takes an assessment like, okay, we need paint thinner, we need this. He's like, I'm going to the town for more supplies. I'm going to be gone for like hours. So please, I am begging you, don't screw around. Just do as much as you possibly can. It's supposed to rain later. And I just can't, we can't lose the whole day. So I'm begging you. Mm. And as soon as he drives away, they're like, um, hey, do you guys know that the townspeople call this Camp Blood? And they all laugh about it, Allison. Oh, they tease each other. Oh, Camp Blood, can you believe it? I would not be laughing. Wouldn't um, be me. Uh, Brenda returns to the archery range, and she puts sort of the targets up, like I guess on an easel or whatever you call those. And then she turns around, an arrow shoots into the target like inches from her stomach. And she turns around, and it's Ned. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But Ned sucks, as we've established. So yes. he's like, he thinks he's, like, being cool, like, showing off how like, good he is. No. No, 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 it's no, like, no. you could have disemboweled me. And he even does, like, sort of a Humphrey Bogart impression. He's like, you know, you're beautiful when you're angry, sweetheart. Ned's going to die a virgin. I'm Ned, calling it now. I, this guy's I never going to have sex. I hope he dies a virgin. Yeah. So finally, Annie is still hitchhiking in the last bit. Um, we see when, when Steve drives off, he's driving a Jeep, but with the top down. Annie gets picked up, like the last little stretch, by a Jeep with the top on. So I think we're supposed to think, is that potentially Steve? Especially because we do not see the driver. The reason, of course, we don't see the driver is it is the killer. And it will not be revealed to us until later. Okay. And so we see Annie kind of gabbing away in the passenger seat. Like, I love working with children. It's really been a dream of mine. Alice in the car whips past the entrance to Camp Crystal Lake. And Annie sees it, and Annie's like, um, I think that's the, ro- it's the road back there. And, of course, ominous music starts to play, and the car starts accelerating, which Annie is, like, begging the driver to please stop. And oh she God. does what I think you have to do in this situation is she opens the door and she fucking jumps out. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, all you can do. Yeah. This per- so, like, whatever is 
coming for you is going to be worse than that. Exactly. And she leaves her bag behind, and it's like, that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, when she lands, she hurts her leg. Mm. So the driver screeches to a halt, and she's Annie's running into the woods as the driver, who, again, we're in their POV, is gets out of the car and is stalking her through the forest. Oh. And it's generally a scary sequence because, like, Annie is full-on, she's doing it, she's running, but her she can't run that fast. Yeah. And she's just trying to put space and, like, hide, you know, in the woods, sort of. Unfortunately, she turns, she makes, I'm going to say, she turns to look behind her to see oh, I think I've lost the driver. When she turns back, the driver's there, and Annie sort of trips. And as she writes herself up against a tree, the killer slashes her throat. So we see the knife, we see the hands, we see like a flannel shirt, and she gasps, no, no, as she dies. So Annie is dead. Annie. It's a feature wrap on death. I know, I loved her. I assume that she was the protagonist. Like when yeah, you see it, you're I like, mean, okay, the great, way we're following she's Annie. introduced is so main character-y. yeah. So back at camp, Steve did ask everyone to keep working. So, of course, now all the counselors have put on their swimsuits and they're just, like, laughing and going swimming. They're like, yeah, okay, Steve, you know. And um, while they're swing- mm. swimming, Brenda is sort of, like, like in the water and she spots something in the trees across the lake. But then she's like, oh, that's probably not, it's probably not anything. And Ned grabs her underwater. Okay, Ned, and enough. And she's, like, shrieking and laughing. He's like, ah, but I'm getting to you. I can feel it. I Yeah, every time that guy talks. Annoying. It's only going to get worse. Um, speaking of, everyone starts to get ready to go back into camp and actually work, only to realize that Ned's in the water, and they hear him shouting for help, and he disappears in the water. And they all run over, they fish him out, and he appears to be unconscious. So they haul him on the deck, and Marcy does mouth-to-mouth, only for Ned to, like, reach up and grab her and kiss her. It's just you know, a prank, Allison. It's not just a funny. fun prank. Not funny. Also, assault. Also, that's your friend <laughs> that you came here. Like, you clearly knew each other outside of the camp, which is yeah. like, that's even weirder. Also, I love a prank where I, for at least a second, think someone has drowned in front of me. Yes. You know I'm laughing at that. Yeah, okay. that's hilarious. Um, back in her cabin, Alice is getting dressed after the um, lake and sees a huge snake under her dresser. And she screams, and Bill runs in with a machete. And it, Bill has a machete to um, hack down, like, weeds and shrubbery to, like, clear out brush. And so so we're establishing we have a machete on the property. And everyone runs in. We're all screaming. Jack, like, jumps on the bed, and the bed breaks, and the snake is under the bed. Everyone's howling. And Bill is finally able to cut the snake in half. And unfortunately, Allison, it was a real snake that they killed during filming, apparently. Why? I know, and there's no reason to kill it. It's not like it added anything. It had nothing to do with the larger plot. Ugh. I know. Yuck. Like, I hate snakes, but that's unnecessary. Yeah, come on. Exactly. Just get it, put it, trap it in one of those laundry baskets and throw it out the door. That's what I would have done. I mean, I just would have left and gone back to a real <laughs> place that doesn't have snakes inside. Right. You don't want to just walk 20 miles to town. Yeah. I'd Absolutely. be like, well, you that's wouldn't be here. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll you wouldn't be here on a snake. Find me at the Four Seasons. So Marcy jokes, like, guess guess we know what's for dinner. And everyone's like, oh, Marcy. And at this point, Allison, I'm like, someone needs to die. Like, we're getting, yeah. it's we're kind of, like, kind of like a half an hour in. Like, we have to have somebody murdered. Well, Annie. Oh, yeah, no. But it, well, it wasn't enough. Because she wasn't part of it. She Not wasn't the there yet. yet. Yeah. I need somebody that in is the there camp. to, get yeah, murdered. I need the mayhem to begin. Yes. So, Time for you're right. Sorry, Annie. Um, Marcy and Brenda, they, so everyone's going over to the mess hall, which is like, where the kitchen is, there's sort of like a, a like an area for like the counselors that hang out, you know, sort of like the main cabin that has like the kitchen, I guess. So I'm gonna call it the mess hall. I, is that what it's called? I don't know. I'm gonna do. I'm calling sure. it. So they're walking over the mess hall and they're sort of planning dinner, like being like, okay, so we have this. I think we have this. 
And then a cop, Officer Dorf, drives up on his motorcycle. At that exact moment, Allison, Ned dances by, and he has sort of made his, like, denim short shorts and his underwear into sort of like a little diaper. And he's wearing a Native American headdress, and he's doing, like, an ululation where, like, Mm -hmm. you put your— your hand to your, I'm like, yep. Ned must die. Die. I'm, die. At this point, I'm on the killer's side as yes. long as the killer kills Ned. As long as Ned dies, then I'm This good. is all worth it. This is yeah, all worth it. Then I'm fine, totally fine with this. Luckily, even Ned has the decency to be fucking embarrassed when he sees there's a cop. He's like, oh, I, I'm really sorry. And the cops are like, what are you kids doing here? You smoking grass? Hash? Uh, Columbia Gold? And everyone's like, can we help you? Why are you here? <laughs> and Officer Dorf tells them um, he's looking for Ralph, the town crazy. Um, because Obviously. he's sort of wandered off, you know. And again, I think we're supposed to think: is 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 crazy Ralph? Is he the killer? Is he sort of yes. uh, in yes. the woods lurking I can around, see laying the groundwork for that? And Brenda's like, uh, should we be worried? Is is Ralph dangerous? And Dorf tells him, when Ralph gets drunk, he gets his calling. He starts sharing his gospel, if you will. Just then, Dorf gets a call on his radio and is like, all right, I'm gonna head out of there. Uh, keep your noses clean and let me know if you see crazy Ralph. And he says, we ain't going to stand for any, for any weirdness out here. And he just zooms off in the mess hall. Alice cleans out some pots to cook in, and she opens the pantry, only to find crazy Ralph standing there oh. ominously. And he sort of, like, leaps out at her, and she screams. And Ralph tells her, I'm a messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. This place is cursed. Cursed. It's got a death curse. God sent me. I got to warn you, go, go. <laughs> and Ned's like, wow, I think we just met Ralph. And as Ralph yep. leaves, Alice, who's been joined by Ned and Marcy, they watch him bike away, and he tells him, in case we didn't get it, he like kind of like quietly calls back, like, you're doomed. You're all doomed. <laughs> Allison, at this point of the film, I got to ask, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, I'm out of there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm out of there. There's like, 100%. I don't even, I'm like, I'm out of there because I don't want to work with Ned. Like, that's enough for me to be leaving the scene. Couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. And like, then like Crazy Ralph's hanging out telling us that we're like, he's like hiding in the cabinet telling us we're all going to die because this place is cursed. Like, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely get it. This is me leaving. Um, I think you're right because I'm looking at like, cause, so normally we have like the first act and then like the second half act tends to be the longest. Mm-hmm. And in my notes, the second act is the shortest act because pretty much once night falls, like you said, it's a one night, uh, one yeah. day. But once the sun goes down, it's just fucking on. Wow. Like, okay. There's barely any time for anyone to like, once, once we've begun you got to get the fuck out of there, you got know? It. So yes. I think yeah. this is a moment. Yeah. He's giving you the warning, as we've seen in other horror movies, as is, yes. as, as, as is lampooned in the cabin in the woods. If you do not heed the warning of this the crazy Ralph, a prophet from God, you are taking your life into your hands. Yes. And nobody listens to them. No. They never get their due. They never get the respect paid. Because always the people that um, are warned end up dead. So they can't be like, yeah. thanks, Ralph. You were right. You're absolutely right. And Ralph probably will warn people in the future. I'm assuming there are quite a number of uh, movies in this uh, franchise. Yes. I can't imagine they're, they're listening to that guy. 
Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Everyone gets to work on preparing dinner only for the lights to go out. And uh, Brenda, Jack, and Bill, they go find the generator. And luckily, they're able to turn it on. We're in business. We've got electricity again. Speaking of business, Jack and Marcy sneak away to the lake for some alone time. And uh, Ned, of course, watches them sort of forlornly. And it's like that you could have a girlfriend any second. You just have to stop being yourself. Just fight it. Be anyone else. To act, yeah, like just pick someone to act like whatever is going on in you, no one wants it. Yeah, and it's that's like the sign be the problem. Uh, the opposite, where George just starts <laughs> doing the opposite of all of his, uh, yes, uh, intentions. behaviors. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's like his weird compulsion. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ned, it kind of as he sort of meanders around, he spots someone entering one of the cabins and he calls to them. And when they don't reply, he follows them in. Never do this, obviously. Um, even Marcy, who's again with Jack, friends with Ned, they came with Ned. Marcy's like, oh my God, Ned is acting like such a weird jerk, like worse those than normal. And it's like, oh, he must be like trying to impress the other girls, but like in his way, which is just very alienating and yes. off-putting. And Jack's like, yeah, Ned's going to do what Ned's going to do. Like it's out of our hands. You know, yeah. like we we can't control that guy. And that sucks. It's like, you're, I feel bad for people about to be murdered by a serial killer, but it's even worse the idea that your friends are talking about you like, Man, yeah, I don't know, man. He's just a weird jerk. There's nothing we could do about yeah, it, you know? Yeah, he is a weird jerk. Yeah. Um, at the uh, So the rain starts coming in. It's a full thunderstorm. And Marcy's like, you know, I, I have this recurring dream I've had maybe a half dozen times. Where I'm caught in a rainstorm and the rain raindrops turn to blood. Anyways, let's go uh, have sex in that cabin. So, of course, they immediately cool. go in. It's it, There's no one there, of Sexy course. Sexy talk. Yeah, and um, they're laying on the bottom bed of a set of bunk beds, and Jack finds a candle, and you hear the rain. It's actually pretty romantic. Yeah. I feel like it's, like, very cute. Uh, the less romantic part, Allison, is the fact that Ned's murdered corpse is <gasps> lying on the top of the bunk bed, throat slashed. So Ned, feature wrap on Ned, Thank died a virgin, understandable. I feel bad he shouldn't have gone out this way, but he's out of here. Back at the mess hall, um, it's Alice, Brenda, and Bill. So they have a fire going, mm. and Bill starts to play an acoustic guitar, a lot of acoustic guitar. It is a camp, you know. Still unacceptable. And Brenda, who's always thinking, leaps up and says, I have a great idea. Let's play Strip Monopoly. And I'm like, I, I appreciate, like, the horny fun of, like, a strip game. Strip mon- Monopoly sounds like a fucking nightmare. I hate Monopoly. Monopoly What are your like, thoughts on it? Also, like, how much time—I mean, I guess they have a lot of time to kill, but, like— yeah. It's a long, boring game that even, like, sexy stripping is not going to make better. 
It's confused. Yeah. It's like boring and confusing, but also yes. nothing happens. Even when they're playing it and explaining it, I'm still confused about like when you, like I guess stripping is money, but then they still are playing with money. I wouldn't have been able to do it. No. But they bust out the board and they have some beers. They smoke a little weed. So they're having fun. All right. Minus um, the Monopoly. That's a fun time. So back at the cabin, Marcy's like, I have to pee. So she sneaks off. And I guess there's like a, a against uh, essentially a bathroom cabin where like it has the restrooms and it has the showers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, like, individual showers and bathrooms yes. in the actual cabins. It's, like, you know, sort of the, whatever you call that, the bathroom yeah. cabin. And she, uh, I think it's, like, the first time we've had somebody acknowledge having to go to the bathroom in a horror movie in forever, a very long time. It never happens, and it should always be addressed. Exactly. Unfortunately, as soon as she sneaks away, we see a hand reach up from under the bed and grab Jack's forehead and sort of hold him to the mattress and then an arrow stabs up through the mattress and through Jack's throat, killing him. Jack dead. Even worse, we see the killer, because we're in their POV, following right. Marcy into the restroom. And she's sort of doing a bit, doing like a little Catherine Hepburn. There's a lot of bits in the mirror. And she's washing okay. her hand. And she hears somebody thumping around, but assumes because of all of his pranks that it's Ned trying to freak her out again. And I'm like, how yeah. many lives also, in a horror Ned movie? Fucked, yeah, Ned fucked with everybody because, like, yeah. you're assuming— It's like, at first pass, you're like, it's probably just Ned doing something fucked exactly. up. Exactly. And it's like, how many lives in a horror movie could have been spared if nobody played pranks? I Thus mean, Thus so lulling their friends into a sense in, of complacency. Yes, right. This is why you shouldn't do pranks. Exactly. Like, I don't like pranks at all. And then, yeah. like, they do, I, like, dull, dull your senses to, like— be like, oh, I shouldn't be so worried about that. And it's like, you should be worried about everything all of the time. <laughs> if it's like, a, oh, I walk in the door and there's a bucket of confetti falls on me, great. Fine. Or like any kind of dumb thing like that. Silly. I bite into, a, bite into a cupcake, there's a pickle. If I, I don't am want concerned that. that if someone is dead or injured yes. in any way, I will never yes. speak to you again or and you like, will deserve it. Yes, or you're like pretending you're going to push me off of something. Like any, just anything in that world of like true danger is... On the table? No. Yeah. No, no, no. But I don't I want a like, pickle on a cupcake either. Well, that's and that's true. Um, so don't eat the cupcakes I just sent you. Um, <laughs> I makes me think there's like that YouTube video. There was from a while ago where it was like a couple and the guy took a mannequin and threw it off their balcony and made his wife think it was one of their children. And I want to be clear, maybe she knew and it was staged or whatever, but her reaction is very distraught. And it's Obviously. like, what is wrong with you? Like, what would, like, Did, idiot, like get, get a divorce. I'm throwing, I'm murdering your child in front of you. LOL, <laughs> get a divorce. LOL, LMAO, absolutely not. Um, So, uh, of course, uh, Marcy hears some noises, but thinks Ned's going to, like, pop out. So she whips open a shower curtain, and there's nobody there. And she says, huh, must have been my imagination. Allison, she turns around, and the killer buries an axe in her face. <sighs> these, so also, Jack, these are, like, pretty brutal deaths. Like, it's not they're just— They're all brutal. Yeah. They're yeah. very gory. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's Jack, blood. Marcy, and— um, uh, Jack, Marcy, Ned. and Ned. They're out. Gone. So, wow. back at the mess hall, Brendan, Bill, Brenda, Bill, and Alice are all in their undies already. And they're like, okay, oh, all right. somebody was good or bad, bad? at Monopoly? <laughs> I don't. I can't. Couldn't tell you. Um, suddenly, Brenda re- realizes, which is like I would do, she's like, oh, my God, I left the window open in my cabin. All my shit's getting rained on. Oh, that is. She doesn't even put her clothes on. She just throws on a rain jacket and puts her boots on. She's like, I'm going to go to bed afterwards, so I'll see you guys tonight. Unfortunately, now, Bill and Alice are like, oh, well, if we don't see Brenda, it's because she went to sleep. You yep. know. 
And Bill and Alice are also kind of flirting. They, like, clean up the board. They're kind of like, you know, oh, we'll have to play this again tomorrow night. You know, we'll have mm-hmm. to finish the game. Um, meanwhile, at a diner in town, the waitress, a waitress named Sandy is telling Steve, who has stopped in to eat, like, do not drive in the storm. Like, it's torrentially rain- raining. I'm sure your counselors will be fine. Just stay in town. Because it's so rural and remote. The Essentially, the roads could wash out. Yeah, and then, like, you're fucked. Yeah. And this is, like, pre-cell phones, pre-every— so, Exactly. Yeah. And Steve says, I absolutely will not do that. And so he puts on his big yellow raincoat and gets in his Jeep. And he puts the, the, the top up. And it's raining so hard that he could barely see, but he makes it back essentially to, like, the little road that goes down to camp. So, which is still kind of long, but, like, he's close to camp. Um, and, unfortunately, then his Jeep gets stuck in the mud. Mm. Um, Brenda, meanwhile, she goes to the bathroom cabin. She's brushing her teeth. She's getting ready for bed. We, behind her, sees a shower curtain move. Fortunately, she makes it out of the crapper alive. She makes it back to her cabin. cabin. And Steve is uh, aided by a different cop, Sergeant Tierney, who comes upon him and gets him into the cruiser and says, I will give you a lift back to camp, and Steve will come and get uh, the Jeep out in the morning. So Steve headed, still headed back to camp. Okay. Unfortunately, with a cop. With a cop. The, the, we see the killer is watching Brenda through the window of her cabin. Mm. So, and she, you know, she's getting her book out. It's time to get in bed and enjoy a good eight hours of being murdered. And uh, the second Brenda lays down in her nightgown and opens a book, we, she hears a little boy's voice calling, Help me. No. Allison, I got to ask, at this point in the movie, who will survive? Who will survive? And I'm happy to give you the names of the people who are still alive. It's Bill, mm-hmm. Brenda, for now. Mm-hmm. Marcy? No, Marcy's dead. Alice. Alice. Steve. Steve. Um, b- both of the cops we've seen, Sergeant Tierney and Officer Dorf. And Crazy Ralph. And Crazy Ralph. And then, of course, the killer. The killer, right. Um, I believe the killer will survive because there's more of these movies, though— I don't know how that could work. It could possibly be, you know, who knows. But I think the killer will survive. Um, I think Steve will survive. Okay. And the, but the cop he's with will die. Okay. Crazy Ralph will survive. Great. And I think Bill and Alice are both good. I think, I think all the counselors will be dead by, end, by the end. Okay, great. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last crunch berry. No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Tapping Crunch. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Brenda, because she's a decent person, you know, puts out her, her raincoat and she tries to investigate with her flashlight because she's like, is there actually a child here? Because she keeps hearing this child's voice screaming, I'm over here. Somebody help me, please. 
And the voice leads her to the archery range. And unfortunately, we see a hand turn on the floodlights, blinding Brenda, and we hear her scream. Back at the mess hall, Alice is in front of the fire. She started strumming the guitar. The door bursts in, but it's just Bill. He was checking on the generator. Okay. Uh, and it seems like everything looks okay. And Alice is like, I just heard a woman scream. I'm concerned it was Brenda. And also, the lights came out in the archery range, but they're off now. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. We should go check it out. Luckily, they at least go together. Okay. So they go to uh, check on Brenda's cabin first. And when they go to her cabin, unfortunately, they find a bloody axe tucked into Brenda's bed. Oh, yes. That's in the trailer. Terrified, they run to Jack and Marcy's cabin. They're not there. They run to Ned's cabin. They aren't there either. And no one is in the bathroom. Alice is like, we have to call the fucking cops. Like, I don't know what is going on. I know it's rainy. It might be hard for them to get out here. Everyone has disappeared. And there's a bloody axe in Brenda's bed. And Bill's like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. So when they go to Steve's office, which ostensibly is the only phone on the, uh, in the camp, yeah. it's locked. And to Alice's credit, she says, fuck it, and then just breaks the window in the office door to reach and unlock it. Yes, She's like, I, I'm not here to fuck around. No. No, 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 no. We're not going to ham and haw. Allison... The phone is dead, of course. Fortunately, there's a payphone. Unfortunately, the payphone is also dead. They run to Bill's car. It is. It will not start. It is also dead. Brenda says, let's just hike out of here. Let's just hit the road and fucking walk, which is what the right answer is. Yes. Yes. Bill's just like, no. Leave. Yeah. Hit Bill's like, it's, it's still torrentially raining. It's 10 miles to the crossroad. Steve is coming back tonight. He can give us a lift. It's going to be fine. Unfortunately, we no, see not. Sergeant Tierney is driving Steve back, and the rain has stopped, so that's good. And he says, Not bad enough to have Friday the 13th. We've got a, a full moon, too. We have more accidents, more rapes, more robberies, more homicides, and more of everything when there's a full moon. It upsets people. Makes them nuts. Like, yes. a full moon does cause a lot of different things, statistically yes. Yes. speaking. And Sergeant Terry says, you know, I heard Crazy Ralph was out your way. His wife was worried sick about him. Crazy Ralph is married, Allison. I mean, who, who is, I would love to meet Mrs. Crazy Ralph. What's her story? Yeah. There's a lid for every pot. I understand some people don't believe in divorce, but I, I got to imagine. Right. Being... Has Crazy Ralph been Crazy Ralph the whole time? Is this kind of <laughs> right. a, a slow devolution that he's been, uh, Suffering right. through, and she's like, well, I, mar I married him. I'm sticking. Like, I Right, yeah, where's Val's like, you're doomed. You're all doomed. Or is she you like know? a okay. believer? You know, and I, I, I hope it's the latter. Me I too. hope that she really is like, yeah, Crazy Ralph's never been wrong, and he certainly isn't wrong about this. So I mean, know. the only, like, I'm sure he's crazy, but, like, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. So... Uh, so right then, Sergeant Turney gets a call saying there's been a terrible accident with multiple people trapped in a car. So we let Steve out to walk the rest of the way. Oh. Luckily, it stops raining. Unluckily, as he walks towards the camp, he's almost there. Steve is blinded by a flashlight, and he recognizes the person holding it, but we don't see who it is. And he says, oh, hi, what are you doing out here in this mess? Allison, the, the killer just stabs Steve, killing him. Okay. So Steve is dead. Oh, I really want Steve to make it. I, I don't know, know why. You would have liked him. I know. Um, even worse, over at camp, we see the killer has sabotaged the generator, so there's no power whatsoever. Of course, Bill and Alice don't know that, so Bill's like, okay, the generator probably just ran out of gas. I'll go refill it. You stay here, and of course, I'll be right back. A classic line discussed in Scream. It's yes. used in so many different Never horror movies. Never say, I'll be right back. 
Um, Alice sort of dozes off while he goes and wakes up confused, but she's like, oh, right, Bill's just fixing the generator. Everything's fine. And she goes into the kitchen to turn on the gas stove manually with a um, lighter and starts heating water for instant coffee. Bill's taking an awful long time in the generator room. Eventually, she says, fuck it, and sets off to find Bill. Allison, you're not going to believe this. That motherfucker is dead. Of course he is. Also, this killer is, like, moving around. Yeah, grass is not growing under this killer's feet, for sure. Um, And his corpse is sort of speared through with arrows against the door. So he's sort of, like, suspended against the door. Yeah. Alice uh, freaks out. She runs back to the mess hall, and she's using, like, a rope thrown over a rafter to tie the door closed and pushes a trunk in front of it. Is she now the last one alive? Alice is the last one alive. Oh. And she, but she's doing all the stuff you have to do. It's like I'm barricading myself yeah. inside. I am gonna fi- I'm, I'm gonna yes. figure this out. And it would have worked too, unfortunately, if Brenda's corpse was not thrown through the window. So the killer has hurled Brenda's corpse. What? what? And um, it, of course, Alice is like, "Oh God, what am I gonna do?" And then this the guy corpse comes fit. flying in through the window. Um, and she freaks out and she runs outside just as a jeep appears, and she's like, "Oh my! Thank God, it's Steve." It's not Steve, Allison. No, Steve dead. It's a middle-aged woman who steps out and says, oh, hello, I'm Mrs. Voorhees, an old friend of the Christie's. Alice, like, runs to her, assuming she's safe, like, sobbing, like, everyone's dead, right. we gotta get out of here. And Mrs. Voorhees is like, no, I'm sure it's just the storm in this place, that's why you're upset. And she's like, no, Brenda's body is in there. And Mrs. Voorhees is like, I'll go take a look for myself, okay? They go to the mess hall, of course, Brenda's body is still there. And Mrs. Voorhees yeah. is like, so young and pretty. What monster could have done this? Steve never should have opened this place. And, of course, she tells then the story of the boy who drowned. Um, He drowned in 1957. It was the start of it all. She says, the counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. Which is a very classy way to put that. I don't think that they, they, this is not making love. No, no, not whatever two teens were doing. Yeah, his name was Jason. I was working here the day it happened. I was the cook here. Jason should have been watched. He was... Well, he wasn't a very good swimmer. Mrs. Vorey says, we should go now, dear. But Alice is tipped off to the fact that this is not right. No. So Alice is like, you know, I actually think we should stay here for Steve now. I, um, hearing you tell that yeah. story made me I'm think, not I'm not going to get in your car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Smart. Unfortunately, Mrs. Vorey starts to have, like, sort of a vision or a hallucination, a flashback to Jason's death. And she sees him calling from the water, and he's calling, Mommy, help me. Help me, Mommy. And in current mm. day, Mrs. Vorey says, I am, son. I am. She tells Alice, Jason was my son, and today was his birthday. I couldn't let them open this place again, not after what happened. And Alice is like, oh, so Steve's probably not coming back then. Yeah. And she his, she turns on Alice, and she's like, you didn't pay any attention. Look what you did to him. And she lunges at Alice. But Alice manages to, manages to fend her off with a fireplace poker and then escape. Alice runs to the Jeep only to find Annie's corpse inside and Steve's body beside it. So I guess Mrs. Voorhees killed both of them, tossed them into the Jeep. And as Mrs. Voorhees tracks Alice down and she, like, runs through the camp, Mrs. Voorhees talks both in her own voice and in a Jason voice, like a little boy voice that tells her, Kill her, Mommy. Kill her. Don't let her get away, Mommy. Don't let her live. And Mrs. Voorhees then will reply in her own voice. I won't, Jason. I won't. Yeah, it's not a good sign. What? No. Also, like, this woman killed all these, like, 
Like, it's so physical. It's like, so physical. running around, and like, throwing a body. Bill, yeah. Lifting up de- a dead weight corpse, throwing I couldn't it through throw a window. a body. No. I don't think any one person could. Maybe, like, no. maybe The Rock, but he wouldn't, and we know that. Right. But fortunately, Allison, the camp has a shotgun. And Alice knows where it is. It's in the boathouse. Unfortunately, the bullets are stored separately. And I was like, this really is a... I, it's like, they really were being good gun owners. And it, yeah. it really fucked her over at this point. Yeah. And Mrs. Voorhees finds her and says, let's go, dear. It'll be easier for you than it was for Jason. And then she just starts slapping the shit out of Alice and, like, throwing what? her around the room. Like, just manhandling it. Uh, but luckily, Alice is still, like, a young woman. You know, yeah. she's has some strength and she's able to get free. And then we just see Mrs. Voorhees stalking her throughout the camp. And in her Jason voice saying, kill her, mommy. She can't hide. So unable to, like, tell exactly what the best move is, Alice doubles back to the mess hall and shuts off all the lights and hides in the pantry to be like, I'm just going to wait this out. Unfortunately, Mrs. Voorhees starts busting down the pantry door with a machete. And Alice is able to knock her out. Where'd she get her machete? Well, remember, Bill had the machete earlier. So hmm. I got to imagine he just dropped it. Or maybe it was around. in the mess hall. It was around, yeah. yeah. So she's busting with a machete, but Alice is able to knock her out with a frying pan and makes it down to the lake. And she's so exhausted, she sort of like collapses into a canoe. Unfortunately, Mrs. Voorhees attacks her once again. And this time they're brawling. They're literally like, she's choking Alice on the ground. Alice gets on top of her. She's able to escape. She grabs the machete out of the ground and sort of like throws her arm at Mrs. Voorhees, completely decapitating her. What? So then, for reasons I don't fully understand other than just, like, it's cinematic, um, Alice drags the canoe into the lake and gets inside and sort of floats in the middle of the lake, falling asleep. Maybe she's like, is it safer here? I don't know what her thought process is. But, I, yeah. But finally, dawn comes, and it's a new hopeful day. And just, you know, as she wakes up at dawn, a police cruiser arrives, and it's Dorf and Tierney. And they spot Alice, and they're sort of waving to her, and she's sort of, you tell she's mentally broken, but she's alive. And she sort of looks up at the sky, smiling, until the decomposing body of Jason Voorhees leaps out of the water and hooks his arm around her neck and drags Alice into the lake, ostensibly to her doom. Just kidding. Alice wakes up, screaming in a hospital bed. She has survived. She is our okay. final girl. Okay. And uh, the nurse gives her a sedative because of all the screaming. And Sergeant Tierney sits there and sort of talks to her and uh, visits with her. And Alice is like, are they all dead? All of them? And Tierney says, they are. And she says, is Jason dead too, the boy who attacked me? And Tierney said, we didn't find any boy. And Alice looks at him with this look of resignation and says, then he's still there. And as we we pan out, we end on a beautiful shot of Crystal Lake and the, the smooth, unbroken water thereof. The end. I said the end, Allison. So, um, so, um, Jason isn't around. You know, I think based on my very little research I've done, it basically the this was not intended to set up a franchise. So I do think it was written that the yeah. Jason it, it, he's there in a mournful metaphorical sense. But I he's see. not there in terms of a physical sense. However, in the franchise, if anyone's familiar with the films, he becomes quite literally there. So I think that we're supposed to be like, it's sad. It's a, that, like that he's in the water and that's that yeah. he was killed in that way and it was horrible. But he was not literally attacking her in the canoe. Okay. I could be wrong, but that's what I took from it. Well, her. just because I feel like when people talk about this movie, like, and when they talk about like killers, which I guess makes sense like because there are, are 
more movies following this with, they talk about like Jason Voorhees. Like, yes. A villain, a and, killer. And then he, that's what he becomes for the rest of the franchise. But he is not in the, in no. this movie. No. The, He's not in this movie. Which is the trick question from Scream. It's like, who's the killer in Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th? It's Mrs. Voorhees. Jason doesn't kill anybody in, in the original Friday the 13th. Right. But then right. he becomes the slasher. He becomes, you know, sort of the. Um, so is he, I, we'll have to like do these movies, obviously, but like, is he like, I guess he, he exists like, Fred, no, Freddy Krueger's just in your dreams. But he is like, a Freddy Krueger someone who died and then has died the ability to, like, yeah. So I think we're to think okay. Jason is someone who is supernatural, who did die, and then was reanimated or exists some sort of, in some sort of liminal space yes. that is not, he's not quite a zombie, he's, but he's not a living serial killer in the way that, yes. you know, Michael, well, that's hard too, because like Michael Myers is ostensibly I mix just up a serial Freddy, killer. Michael, and Jason all the time. Yeah, Freddy's dream, so Freddy's purely supernatural. And he's got the hat. He's got the hat and the sweater. And then Jason, I think, becomes increasingly um, supernatural. The mask? Yes. The mask, I believe, is introduced in the third one. I don't even think it's in the second one. Or, like, it's confusing. I'll say that. It's confusing. (laughs) But, I mean, this is— But this movie on its own, separate from all of that information, great. Yes. Lovely. Yeah. I agree. I really like the mom as killer. I think that's super fun. Yeah. Love mom as killer. Love that we're like, boom, boom, boom. It's like one after another. Yeah. And I like that Ned went early. Yeah. Friday the 13th, part three, that's when he finally gets the mask. So it's a little bit, it's, it's, it, it takes him a little while to find it. Yeah. Yeah, so what are some fatal mistakes you think that someone may have made in this movie? Fatal mistakes. Being a camp counselor, for starters. But like, once you find out all that history and that, like, somebody killed two people and was never identified, I'm just not going to that area. Couldn't agree more. Ever. Could not agree for more. For anything. And I'm especially not going to go be a counselor when the two people were ca- counselors. I feel like we, in real life, understand that there is certain limitations to what you could expect people to get over. You know what I yes. mean? Um, with regards to when her- horrific things happening. Yes. Um, and the, the, that does not exist in the movies themselves. Yes, like I feel like in the movie, it's like, yeah, of course someone got murdered. I expect you to it's like, come yeah, be camp counselor. I'm still going to take the job. It's like, what? No. Yeah. But then, like, once uh, things get going, everybody kind of did a good job trying to stay alive. Yeah, Alice is, you know, one of my, I, I mean, truly hats off. Like, she is yes, she is yes. a final girl who is giving it her all. She is yeah. strategizing. And she smart. is yeah. Yeah, she's not, you know— Granted, should she she was always committed to leaving. Should she have allowed Bill to talk her out of it? No, she should have been like, we're leaving. But I understand. It's like, there's one other person here. I want them right. to do whatever we're doing. I'll do it with them because it's just yeah. safer. Um, so, but yeah, she. that's the reason she's alive is that she absolutely, she was smart about it. She, she yeah. was committed to she it. She did a great job. Um, and then, um, boy, I, I think that, that to me is it. It was like, it, don't take this job. And if you're Steve Christie, don't reopen the camp. Like, I, yeah, I think, you know, we're, like, he's connected to it. Yeah. Yeah, find another space yes. that isn't, a t- even if it's just, like, nearby and almost the same. Like, fine. Like, yeah. I just think that, like, it's just too much. Yeah, exactly. 
And then finally, uh, where uh, where would you place Friday the 13th on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I think it's like a solid six. Okay. I think it's like those deaths are really gory. I also think like killer POV is a real like scary yeah. technique. Like that's always, like when you're like in the like, you're looking at other people. I, I just always think that that's really spooky. Yeah. And like, again, it's not supernatural. It's real stuff. So could happen. And therefore scary. Maybe seven. Actually, I'm going to bump it up to a seven. Great. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I, I think we talked about this before, but it's like the silliness, like the net of it all, you know, sort mm. of the, mm. the crazy yes. Ralph of it all. Um, yes. Sort of, are make it enjoyable, but also to me definitely are not scary. Yeah, and, I get that. You know, and, and that could be like, listen, you know, this is such a part of pop culture. You know, maybe I'm judging it with, you know what I mean, a little bit of a world-weary eye in a way that I wouldn't if if this had just come out or I had seen this when I was 13. Yes. Um, but I really enjoyed it. But this, to yeah. me, I think because it is so such a revisited film mm. and, and the cliches mm-hmm. are so known— yeah, it's not as scary. Yeah. It was definitely I awesome. That. I love it so much. It was really, really great. I'm I love Mrs. Voorhees. Yes. Like, I'm glad, like, I'm like, oh, like, the axe and the bet, like, these, th- I'm like, these are all things that, like, I have seen pop up, and I'm glad that now I have the source. Yeah. Without having to watch it. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. And we'll, we'll, if you have any suggestions for summer camp month, please send them our way. There yes. seem to be plenty of options. And um, you and know. Uh, for themes, like you know, this theme got suggested. So if if, if you know there's a genre or a subgenre rather, um, or a fun theme that we could probably hit for movies, send them our way, please. Ooh, sorry. In, until then, until we talk to you and, next time, yes. I'm going to take a until nap. Until next time. I'm absolutely yes. going to take a nap. And yes. But please, as we both dream, we ask that you do us a yeah. favor. Stay on guard, hold vigil, and please. And please. Keep, keep it, it spooky. spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Mm-hmm.